spoke a message last week Sunday, which it's, I, I take a little bit of offense to because the amount of positive feedback that came from that message is so far beyond anything that I get that when I speak a message. So I, I think it's you from now on in, you know? Um, but Tam spoke a message last week Sunday, and it, it was very relevant to the times in which you live, very pertinent. Over to you, babe, in Jesus' name. And I actually think we do need to pray because seriously, last week, we're speaking about the Middle East. <laughs> and um, it was a message that we couldn't record last week because when we arrived here, it was like torrential rain, no electricity. The alarm started going off when I started speaking. It went off for 10 minutes. Bevan could not speak it or <laughs> turn it off. Obviously, people were a bit tired as well off the back of the World Cup. Um, but I was just on a mission. <laughs> I, can't, I, was, I, I will break this ground in Jesus' name because I'd had the worst week ever last week and it was like it was such an attack it becomes so obvious when you're speaking about things that you probably the enemy is riled about us speaking about that there's just going to be an enemy attack and so um, it's no surprise to me that this is another day of craziness in our building but well done we're all here and a little bit of rain a little bit of electricity or warm weather will not take us down in Jesus name because we are stronger than that and so father I submit this time to you and actually, enemy, we come against you in the name of Jesus, and we say to you that what you have against truth, we repel <laughs> in Jesus' name. And we say to you that we have no access to us, the church of Jesus Christ, and we are wiser, and we are stronger, and we will continue to push into the word so that we would access all that it is that Jesus has for us in it. And so, Father, over your word this morning, bless it, grace it. May you take... Um, what has been prepared, and gosh, there's just so much, I don't even know what's going to come out today, <laughs> but we'll, 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 whatever, Father, would you deliver this morning? Would it be your words? Would it be your anointing over it? Would it be your Holy Spirit helping us to digest it? I thank you that we've already prayed for the families. I just know that life is feeling so fragile right now for so many people in this community. I know that it's not actually only May that um, has a connection with us, but there are people in this building who had super close connections with with some of the other some of the other family some of the other families that were in that accident yesterday. And so I pray for your presence and your peace that surpasses all understanding to be able to just settle us in a moment here. Yes, beyond this moment, but settle us to be able to just sit in your presence for a little bit and access what it is that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, it is hot, hey, but it's okay. We will, we will crack on. Um, guys, I, I realize not everyone was here yesterday, last week, and so this being a follow-on can get a little bit tricky. I'm going to try my best to summarize, but as it was, I went overtime last week because it was just too much. Um, and, and so the summary, please appreciate that it may not be able to be delivered with as much um, gentleness, is that, is that the right word, or much empathy, or whatever that maybe... Um, was what last week looked like, where, you know, we're going through scriptures and we're detailing the, the in-between of them a lot more to be able to just have um, an affection for humanity within it. And I'd like to just say straight up that even last week, the way that I would have started things was that I really am not trying to be edgy or, or like, whatever, <laughs> like, 
by speaking about the Middle East, like not at all. Um, actually was saying that I really wanted to speak about the fruit of the spirit when Bevan was like, let's get you out of kids and let's get you in here, you know, let's put a date in the diary. And I'm all, oh my goodness, it felt like the Holy Spirit said, speak about the Middle East. We all know who's missing from church, the Somervilles, you know, honestly, where are they? <laughs> They're in the bush. Um, so... I'm not trying to be edgy. It was such a holy, like a God drop. And I remember thinking, no, I, I, I actually, Jesus, I'm going to speak about something else. Just nice, the nice stuff. You know, scripture is, is both um, challenging and then comforting. It's both. Jesus is both lion and he's lamb. Like he's both. And we have to have both portions. We're about to move into a time of Christmas where we're going to celebrate Jesus who was this, he was a lamb that came into the world. He came as a baby for goodness sake. It's like you couldn't get more gentle like than that. And then he dies on the cross for us. Like he literally gives his life. But that was the first coming. And then there is a second coming and he's coming as lion. And so we're going there in scripture today. We're going there as, as some of the harder stuff. And so, you know, let's have strong stomachs, but I'm, I'm not trying to be edgy. It just, when the Middle East war broke out after I had had that God drop, I was like, well, what can you do? You need to be obedient, right? Um, I also said last week that the approach of us towards this war needs to be love, like, that's obvious within Scripture, all the adjectives in 1 Corinthians 13. We need not get rude about this. We don't get impatient. We stay kind to humanity. There's a difference between um, humanity at, like, a natural level, and then there's a spiritual level. I'm going to speak at a spiritual level. In Ephesians 6, it says that our fight in this world as spiritual people is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And so we're speaking about powers and principalities. And so if we can try and separate the two, because I'm not condoning any loss of life right now. I just want you to know, like the great, the, the fastest growing church at the moment is in Iran. It's amazing. There are beautiful people in that nation who I'm telling you now, when we all get to heaven, like I can't wait to hug those men and women who have lived a costly Christian life, because seriously, their faith in light of what I've had to navigate, you know, WhatsApp groups for the school run, juggling a couple of jobs, whatever, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like their faith is um, crazy. There are seven different churches described in Revelation when you open that book, and again, I said last week, it's the only book in the Bible, the only book that actually says there's a blessing attached to reading it and understanding that, isn't that, isn't it crazy? Every other book is there for us. It's, there's 66 of them, but Revelation says there is a blessing attached to you reading this and understanding it, but so often we shy away from it because it's hard. It's a lot, and this topic is a lot, and we're not going completely to Revelation today, but it's very hard to talk about the Middle East without going there because the reality is that Israel is the only nation in the world <laughs> because it is a nation that was birthed by God that has its entire story told. 16 prophecies about Israel, 13 of them have come to pass. There's three left to come. And they're there. They're in the Bible. They're there for us to access. And so we're actually called to watch. This is not like, this is not, um, let's get on our bandwagon. <laughs> let's start, you know, let's start hating on any other people group. That's not what this is. It's just watch Israel. Watch Israel and actually pray for Israel because those guys, the minute 
that they were birthed as a nation and prophesied over and God became their God and they became his people. And it's moved with, the story has moved so much. They have been faithful to God and there's been blessing in that. And then they have walked away and they have walked away from the blessing of God. And so right now, Israel as a nation is seriously secular. And so it's not like we're praying for a Christian, our Christian brothers and sisters even, but the reality is as a nation, what we have to recognize is because there are certain prophecies about them, so too is there a target on their back because the enemy would see it that those prophecies would not be fulfilled. And it's not even personal. This is not flesh and blood. This is powers and principalities, remember. This is a challenge at the supremacy of God. And so we as a church need to recognize that battle on that level. And we need to understand that, you know, from whence our pretty much most of our Bible comes is from that nation. Jesus came, was birthed in that nation. The, the Old Testament has been written mostly by, by, by Jewish people. And so has the New Testament. And there's something for us to just be grateful for in that and there's something for us to come alongside in that and just to pray for them am I saying don't pray for people all over the world no I'm not um, and, and and I had more time to unpack this last week I just need you to know that um, I also said last week yes our stance needs to be love um, but also that this is a conversation because for me to even declare it a preach is, is a lot because it's like <laughs> we've only got half an hour and there's so much. And so for me to stand up here and be like, I could, I could, I could get through everything in one go, there's just no way. And so this is a conversation that we're opening and it, we're so happy to have it. In this space, I realize this is very much one-sided conversation, but over a coffee, continue it on if we need to continue on with it. I know last week when I was preach prepping, I think I put up a post on Instagram to say, um, I just had a hell of a week, <laughs> pun intended. Um, and that I was speaking on the Middle East and one of my friends who was also preaching sent me a message. She said, oh, no way, what are you preaching on? I'm preaching on Matthew 24. I'm all, ha. I send her a copy of my notes and it's like Revelation 12 about the dragon and the woman giving birth to a child. And she's all, whoa, we're not talking about dragons. But we are talking about Matthew 24 and believe it or not, the two actually do link. And she, I went on to actually go and listen to what she preached. It's crazy. She's not the, we're not the only ones. There's people all over the world right now in church preaching about these very common, familiar scriptures that are becoming more familiar to me as I research and study and whatever else. I think I, I spent um, all day yesterday reading. It was handy that the kids are writing exams, and so they were studying, and I just read the entire book of Revelation, most of Isaiah, half of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, um, like it, there's just, there's a lot. And so I actually don't even know fully how it's all going to land today <laughs> because, um, yeah, I've pulled out what I think will be helpful for us as a next step, as a next portion, but we'll just have to see where it goes. It's too much for one day. Um, and so, I don't know, I think I started saying some stuff and maybe even didn't finish. Bevan says, I never finish my sentences. So help me if I start a thought and don't finish it, okay? I'm wearing my sexy skirt here. This is not good. It's got a slit. <laughs> um, okay. So, let me try, with, with that, let me try and just bullet point summarize what we spoke about last week, okay? It, it wasn't recorded because I know a lot of people have asked for the recording, but um, because of the electricity, we, we couldn't record it. And so um, you can write these down if you want to, if that's helpful for you, some of these scriptures. And um, if the slides are working, are they? 
oh, that's amazing. That's so helpful for us. Then, um, yeah, I'll blitz through some of the scriptures. Maybe, actually, sorry, no. Just to start off with, I did read a response to a, f- a friend of mine who, I've been, I've been posting a fair bit about Israel. <laughs> um, not only about Israel, other things, but we have a lot of different people in our world that we really adore that are around the world just because we've pastored um, churches in England and then in Australia. And we love these people that we have done a season of life with. And so a lot of the conversation and banter happens through social media. And so knowing that I'm posting stuff about Israel, I also appreciate that there's, it, it's, a, it's a heated space, you know? And so um, I was expecting one or two, like, um, kickbacks, you know? Um, mostly, actually, the response has just been, thank you, it's so helpful. You know, I didn't, never thought of that or been suggesting a few, like, podcasts that you can listen to just to, just to try and access some of the story because sometimes we even get, we confuse ourselves on this story. Like, how, what, what are they even fighting about? Like, what is, you know? And if we don't know history... Um, we read some UN documents last week, some League of Nations documents or whatever. But, um, but if you don't know, you don't know, you know. And so it's amazing as well how quickly people just jump on a side without knowing. How, we're this generation that needs to voice our opinion sometimes without even all the information. Like, let's not be like that. Let's, let's, be, um, let's, let's learn how to restrain and research and pray and then perhaps speak what's helpful. Um, but the one person I was waiting for a reply from is one of the, one of the she would have been in our youth when we passed it in Surrey, which is in England. Um, beautiful, beautiful family, beautiful girl who straight off to school went and spent two years in Palestine and worked with the Palestinian people, studied Arabic, loves the Palestinian church. And so her, her heart is breaking for Palestine, um, for some of the people in Palestine right now. And it's, it's it, fair enough, fair enough. So our, our hearts should break for people. Please understand the differences. You know when you discipline a child, you, you love the child, you don't love the behavior. You know how you can separate this, okay? You always love your child, but you don't approve and you, you deal with behavior, okay? Natural, spiritual, we're here today. So she just responded and she was like, Tam, I just know that there's people who um, would be listening to you and my heart is breaking for the Palestinian church right now. And do you think that you're potentially swaying people away from that? And we had this lovely conversation and I thought that maybe how I ended up replying is, I read it last week, I'll read it again because it, it doesn't summarize perfectly, but it, it just gives me a script to stick to so I don't get too derailed if I just read my response. Um, to this beautiful girl, Jess. Um, she's saying peace talks are needed. I'm all, absolutely, of course. Like, peace talks are needed. This is just so much bigger than peace talking, though. Um, absolutely, I said peace talks are required, and absolutely, it goes way back. Again, she was saying this, this whole fight goes way back past the 7th of October. It goes back to, you know, you can start picking up incidents and it becomes tit for tat, honestly, when you do this. But I agree with, agreed with her. It goes way back beyond the 7th of October. It goes back to Ishmael and Isaac, almost 4,000 years back. My heart breaks for people. I know the 16 prophecies specifically about Israel. Give them a bit of a summary here, guys. Slavery in Egypt, exodus from Egypt, possessing the promised land, the rise of kings, the turn to idolatry, exile in Babylon, the temple's destruction. There were two temples that, got, um, that were destructed. Is that a word? Um, the scattering of the Jews, the persecution of, by the Gentiles. I mean, if World War II is not an obvious uh, like example of the persecution of the Jews by the Gentiles, 
it's obvious that that has been fulfilled, that prophecy, the gathering back of a nation. That happened in 1947, 75 years ago. Okay, that was prophecy number 13. A summarized version, I say to her, of what adds up to 13 Bible prophecies fulfilled. Three more to go. The next one is, um, I get so emotional every time. The next one is a world turning on Israel. An invasion from the north. In the Bible, it's called Rosh. That's modern-day Russia. And then Jacob's trouble. They call it, it's called that in Jeremiah 30. The most horrific war like the world has not yet seen. And then mass salvation of the Jews. God is coming back for this nation that he started. He's coming back for them in the end. And again, when I say the end, guys, can I just say, I'm derailing on my scripture, hey, but... We're not talking about the end of the world, actually. We're just talking about the end of an era. Okay, the world continues actually beyond, just so you know. But there's a new era. And we'll touch on that if we get time. Mass salvation of the Jews. Some people believing, how beautiful is this? Some people believing the Christians of the Arab world will be significant in this. And my comment is, I hope that theory is right, because that would just be beautiful. Imagine Ishmael reconciling with Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac actually did reconcile, just if you didn't know, back in Genesis. They both buried Abraham together. It was beautiful. Isaac went and found him. They reconciled. They both buried their dad together. So they actually managed to sort out their stuff. But unfortunately... Within the, within the seed, if you like, and, and, and we looked at some of these scriptures last week, within some of the seed, some of the bitterness still stirs. 4,000 years on in the story, okay? Two prophecies I mentioned over there, and then the second coming of Jesus. I'm not condoning behavior on either side, but Israel is the only nation whereby their playbook is foretold. It's why we're called to watch. Hamas literally means violence and wickedness in Hebrew. It's first used in description of the times of Noah. That's in Genesis 6, guys. It's the violence and wickedness that needs crazy prayer. And this isn't a flesh and blood favoring of any sides for me. It's a powers and principalities story, as I've already explained, Ephesians 6. It's an awareness of what the word says to watch for and being mindful of what is sheer evil and enemy strategy at a thwarting of an entire race. It's not the first time the enemy has tried to destroy the Jewish people. You know that thing that is recited from the river to the sea, Palestine be free, What that is actually meaning is it's the River Jordan all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. In other words, destroy that nation. It's obvious. Wipe that nation out. They should not exist. And people go around chanting it, thinking they're like freedom fighters. And I'm like, research. Like it baffles me even how how quickly people jump on this thing. It baffles me how many of the gay community have jumped on this thing. Guys, we are going there today because can I just tell you, those guys chanting that stuff, if they were to chant it in Palestine, they would be dead in five seconds. that, That behavior is not tolerated within Islam. You die, you get killed. (laughs) But somehow we just, you know, We just chant stuff. (sighs) 
what am I saying? Not out of care for the humanity in it. Sorry, I'm saying I'm not, I'm, I'm, I do care about the humanity, but as a challenge to God um, and his word. Sorry, I lost my place here. Sorry. Being mindful of what is sheer evil is what I was saying, an enemy strategy out of a thwarting of an entire race. Not out of care for the humanity in it, okay? This is the enemy. He doesn't, he does, he's not interested in humanity. It's at a challenge to God and his word, which at the end of the day will be fulfilled. If we believe that God is true to his word, guys, this stuff is going to happen. If we believe God's word to be absolute and true. So this is a wake up for the church. This is a approach all people with love but wake up to the story of the world and pray against powers and principalities, not people at play. Sadly, the enemy doesn't care about human life, and it's devastating to watch it wasted. Revelation is the only book, I already said this to you guys, with a blessing attached to reading and understanding it. Gee, it's a complex book. But as you read it and read it again and again and know history and watch a story play out, it's pretty heartbreaking as a pastor watching a world in need of salvation running out of time, and a global church where 50% will be left behind in the rapture. I spoke about the peril of the 10 virgins, guys, quite a while ago. You could always access that on the website. I understand the complexity. I have read and researched for years too. I mentioned here to her as well that the fastest church, growing church is in Iran. Those Christians are life and death kind of Christians. Crazy bravery. Can't wait to meet them in heaven. Like I said to you, we'll, probably, we'll hug them and we'll probably bawl our eyes out. This isn't a militant tone or heart stance. Always good to tell people what your tone is, you know, when you're writing stuff down. This is a watch Israel and do as the word has instructed, i.e. pray for Israel because the minute God cut a covenant with them, so too did they have a target on their back by the enemy. They have copped it. Many nations hurt each other and fought wars that either side could justify. But Israel's wars, again, not condoning behavior. No one wins in war. But they're the only ones foretold as a watch and know the times. So there are two levels to have a conversation over this. Natural, which is not simple, and spiritual. And the answers are given, and so it's quite simplified. It's simplified for us. I hope you're all okay, guys. I hope you all, without me taking as long as I did last week, I hope you're okay <laughs> and realize that I do love all people. Um, can we just whiz through some of the scriptures and you can jot them down if you want to I can't, we won't have time to read them but these are some of the scriptures that we just looked at last week and then I want to try and try and cut a little bit of new ground on this um, but Ellen if you can just go to Genesis 17 and then there should be an order and we'll blitz through Basically, we just looked at the covenant, okay, that God cut with Isaac, just highlighted for you there in bold. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant. This is God speaking with Abraham. And then when you go down, it says, I will give to you and to your descendants, read the bold, after you the land in which you are a stranger, moving from place to place, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. Now you could think to yourself, well, who does it go to, Isaac or Ishmael? Go to the next slide. We looked at how Abraham already had Ishmael. 
okay? And as, as God is speaking to him again in, in Genesis 17, he basically, look at the bowl, says, oh, that Ishmael, my firstborn, might live before you. It's like, yeah, you're going to keep this covenant, but yeah, I've got the son up. Basically, I don't have the son that you've promised me. I am 99 years old. Do you know how old he was? That's how old he was, 99. His wife, Sarah, was 90 when he's talking about a promised child. And they all, they actually start laughing about it. It's why Isaac's name is Laughter. Go to the next slide. And he basically, he just, he just puts into clarity for us maybe and for Abraham, I will establish my covenant with him. No. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant um, and, and with his descendants after him, he's talking about Isaac now. But listen, guys, as for Ishmael, what does God do? He's like, I have heard and listened to you, a dad who loves both your kids. I'm sticking to my plan that I was going to give you a promised son and birth a nation through that promised son, okay? But you've gone off and you've kind of ended up having your own son by sleeping with your servant because your wife told you to do that, which is exactly what happened. And now you have this child, Ishmael. It's not his fault that you guys messed up. This is what we do. We mess up on God's plans all the time. And look what God does. I have heard you as a dad, okay? And behold, I will bless him. Ishmael and Isaac are both blessed. The people, the descendants of Ishmael are the Arab people. The descendants of Isaac are the Jewish people. Arab people are blessed, guys, okay? But bold again, 21, verse 21, my covenant though, guys, my promise, my solemn pledge, I'm establishing with Isaac. Okay, we're going on with the, with the people of Israel. We're going on with the plan, yeah? And it's gonna happen through Isaac but Ishmael's going to be blessed, okay? Blitz on. You can go and read some of these scriptures some more. Um, if you, <laughs> we looked at kind of the, the gene pool, if you like, of the Arab peoples. Interesting. He, Ishmael, will be a wild donkey of a man. How about that? His hand will be against every man, continually fighting, and every man's hand against him, and he will dwell in defiance of all his brothers. Just a really interesting scripture to chuck into the Bible, Okay. Um, blitz on, we're blitzing guys, we can't talk about these things <laughs> like we did last week, but um, Genesis 15, if you ever wanted to know where is this land that was covenant as an everlasting covenant <laughs> to the people of Israel, it's in Genesis 15. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant, promised pledge with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. It's like spelt out. Okay, again, we did talk more, but we can't now. Genesis 6 is where you will find, if you want to know, that word Hamas, where I mentioned in my message to Jess, um, that it actually is a Hebrew word. It's also an Arabic word. It means zeal in Arabic, but in Hebrew, it means violence. I just find it so interesting. Why would you choose to call your grouping of people, which essentially the strategy is delete Israel from the river to the sea. That is the mission of Hamas. Is it the mission of all Palestinian people? No, but it is the mission of Hamas if you go and research it. And, and why would you call yourself Hamas? <laughs> Violence, which according to the Bible in Genesis 6 means desecration, infringement, outrage, assault, and lust for power. Also so interesting when you read in Matthew 24, um, which, don't worry, Alan, don't freak out. It's, it, I don't have a slide for that. But, um, but Jesus starts speaking about when he comes again, the second coming, and he says that it's going to be like the days of Noah. Interesting. You can 
take that away and ponder that. Isaiah 66, guys, was where we just talked about when um, Israel got their land back after a period of, I don't know, that AD 70 was when the temple was, de- was destroyed by the Romans. They were in, in, in Roman rule was in that area, okay, that, that was Israel, and then the temple was destroyed, and the people were scattered. There was a diaspora, and then there was, there's, there's this prophecy about these people coming back and actually getting their land back. And so from AD 70 until 1947, if anyone knows the maths, like, um, that's how long there wasn't an Israel, but there are still the descendants of Isaac, Okay, scattered in in, in all nations and persecuted, attempts to have them wiped out. But kind of crazy that they never got wiped out. Because look what it says in Jeremiah 30. For behold, hear this, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. And I will return them to the land that I gave to their forefathers and they will take possession of it. How they took possession of it is a natural conversation, which I'm so happy to have. I'm just reading you the scriptures, okay? Um, Did we miss one, Ellen, if you go back? Isaiah 66 says, who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such a thing (laughs) or such things? Can a land be born in a day or can a nation be brought forth in a moment? That Israel was declared Israel after a whole bunch of what, whatever. Like I, get, I did give some of the history last week where it was basically how the British were actually living in Egypt. And during World War II, they kind of rallied in with the Arabs who started to move up into what was Israel. There were Jewish people moving back to that land through a movement called the Zionist movement. And the Arabs were not happy about it. They did not want them there. And so they wanted to wipe them out. The British joined with the Arabs to, to, to try and come and take that land. And what they had done is they'd actually promised the Arabs, we will give you an independent kind of, um, like some autonomy in this land. But they also made a promise to the Jews. And so there's a whole lot of confusion going there. The Arabs feel like that's one of their biggest betrayals by the, by the British. But basically, the British moved in. They did, con- they were actually, sorry, getting rid of the Turks. The Turks were in there, the Ottoman Turks in that area, and they wanted them out. And the Arabs thought, awesome, we're going to move in and we're going to take this. There were some Jewish people in there. Um, they, they managed to get rid of the Ottoman Turks, but then they don't actually give the land to either the Arabs or the Jews. They feel like this is not stable to do so. And so, crazy how history works. But the British and the French make this, like, agreement. And they actually look after, almost babysit the land for a period of time. And it's at this time that the UN and the League of Nations and whatever start getting involved and start going, what are we going to (laughs) do? Like, whose land is this? You know that Jerusalem is the only city that is not owned by a nation. It's owned still by the UN. Only city in the world. It's a crazy city. It's the only city in the world as well that is spoken about in scripture. It's the only city in the world where Jesus says, I swear I'm coming back. You saw me go? <laughs> you saw me go? In the same way, I'm actually coming back. Where is he coming back? He's coming back to Jerusalem. Oh, guys, there's so much. Hey, um, what ends up happening is there's all the fighting on a natural level, okay? And there's there's there's... From what I could see in all the UN paperwork that I was reading um, is that it, it, the Jewish people were actually quite happy to work 
at finding a peaceful solution. You have this land, you have this land. And when I read some of the responses, um, again, this, this can start getting tit for tat, I appreciate. But here, United Nations Special Committee on Palestine. While Jewish organizations, I'm reading straight from literal documents, collaborated with the United Nations Special Committee on Palestine during the deliberations, the Palestinian Arab leadership boycotted it. Then there was a UN partition plan. The Arab Higher Committee, the Arab League, and other Arab leaders and governments, they rejected that on the basis that in addition to the Arabs forming a two-thirds majority in the area, they actually owned a majority of the lands. This is good old land claims like in South Africa, hey? They also indicated an unwillingness to accept any form of territorial division, arguing that it violated the principles of national self-determination in the UN Charter, which granted people their right to decide their own destiny. They announced their intention to take all necessary measures to prevent the implementation of the resolution. Subsequently, a civil war broke out in Palestine, and the plan was never implemented. These are plans that tried to get in place until we eventually landed on what was landed on, and obviously that is, that is still not something that is peaceful. Um, just after World War II, the President of the United States at that time was President Truman, and he strongly suggested that the British, who were babysitting the land at that time, just remember, make an exception on their white paper document, because they had put out a white paper document at that time once they'd kicked the Ottoman Turks out, and that document said to keep the peace in the Middle East, what we need is just only a drip feed of Jewish people coming back, because they were starting to come back in their droves through the Zionist movement, but the Arabs were being upset by it, and so there was this thing like only a certain amount can come back every year. And so President Truman kind of approaches the, Brit the British, and he says, could you make an exception on your white paper document, which basically limited the Jews returning to Israel, like I said, um, and he's saying could, Ah, uh, my eyes, 100,000 Holocaust survivors just returned to Palestine in one go, rather than this drip feed. The response there was, I mean, you understand what happened in World War II, right? There's people that have been kicked out of their homes, Jewish people displaced, they're survivors of the Holocaust now, they've got nowhere to go. And so the Americans are trying to say, could they just not go back to Israel? Like... The recommendations triggered violent demonstrations in the Arab states and calls for a jihad and an annihilation of European Jews in Palestine. When Israel then gets declared a state, which was on May the 14th, um, 1948, the talk started happening in 1947. It was backwards and forwards and in a day. Can a nation be born in a day? In one day, it was declared, this is Israel. You may come back crazy. Suddenly we have an Israel again on the map. Um, guys, I understand that I read some natural stuff there and I understand that there can be more conversation about that. I just, we just don't have time, hey, at the moment. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to flip through to Revelation 12. <laughs> and in Revelation 12, um, this is an interesting Guys, interesting piece of scripture. It, it starts off and um, it, it, it basically, the beginning says, I foresee an ominous event, okay? A terrible, terrible thing that's going to happen in the world. You can go and you're welcome to read it later. It's, um, it's a heavy read. But if, if, if you go to 13, 
uh, the two players, okay, are introduced at the start of Revelation 12. One is a woman. She's pregnant. She gives birth to the Messiah. She's got 12 stars around her head, the 12 tribes of Israel. It's day. She's standing on the moon. She's standing on the night. In other words, it's a time when Israel is a nation, okay? Israel, the nation that gave birth to the Messiah. She's, she's metaphored and personified as this woman, Okay, right after that, we meet this dragon. Now, when I was younger and I would read this, I'd be like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> but this is a vision. It's a dream. If you've ever had dreams, Sienna had a crazy dream last night. <laughs> but if you ever have dreams, you've got to appreciate they can be kind of crazy and there's so much metaphor in them. And so this dragon, he's got like um, seven heads, uh, seven heads or ten heads? Seven heads, ten horns. 10 crowns. It's this whole metaphor. And it, then it tells you, if you're like, is this a real dragon or not? It tells you in brackets, no, this is Satan. <laughs> We're talking about the devil. We are talking about the enemy. We're talking about the accuser of the brethren, the one who comes to lie, steal, kill, destroy, as it tells us in John 10. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a spirit that has always been on the earth, that has always inhabited people and has always worked against the supremacy of God. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It is against powers and principalities, okay? And so there are people, people even who can be good people, who can choose to say, Holy Spirit, would you inhabit me and use me? Or um, there's the alternative, and so there's two players here, and in, in, in verse 13, it says, and when the dragon, okay, Satan, guys, but, but, but operating through people, and, 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 and who those people are is an interesting conversation that we will not have time for, because you go from Revelation 12 onto Revelation 13, and it starts to be prophesied, a beast starts to be prophesied, and... Um, yeah, and then there's a whole lot more conversation to be had there. And I have my thoughts, but I'll keep them for today. <laughs> when the dragon, though, saw that he was thrown down to earth, he persecuted the woman. Who is the woman, guys? Who's the woman? Israel, who had given birth to the male child. Who's the male child? Jesus, okay? He persecuted her. 17 says, so the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went off to wage war on the rest of her children or her seed. Those who keep and obey the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, holding firmly to it and bearing witness to him. Now we start to see a church that is aware and has read their Bible and starts to appreciate the spiritual war at play and starts to pray and starts to get involved and there's actually um, consequence and there's implications. And you know, I know I've spoken about the rapture before. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't, I have no, I, I really don't. <laughs> um, there are people out there who are convinced, absolutely convinced that the rapture is imminent and um, that it will happen basically before what you could call World War III come, happens, okay? That God will actually save his church. He will come down, and in the same way at the times of Noah, where he, he said, build an ark, and he, he saved those people. He saved them in the ark while wickedness was dealt with. In the same way that it happened then in Genesis 6, but God made a covenant with those people then and said that would never happen again. And sometimes I'm like, oh, would that not just be easier? Can we not all just get on an ark? And like, <laughs> I don't know. But it's all awful. It's all awful when you start thinking about 
about it. But like, they're people who are convinced. Then I read scripture and I find other people who are like, but maybe not, because the reality is in this World War III, if you like, or Jacob's trouble, Israel's trouble, or the Great Tribulation, it's called many things, there are martyrs. They are Christian martyrs. Now, we're not that familiar with that, but let me just tell you that anyone living in Iran now is well familiar with that. Anyone living in northern Mozambique dealing with um, a harsh agenda going on there is well familiar with that. We actually spoke about Muhammad last week. I gave you some details of where the roots of um, Islam has come for. The word Islam means to submit or to surrender. And what actually happened was when, when, when Muhammad was 40 years old, he, he felt like he had this dream or this vis visitation actually from Angel Gabriel. He swears that he never had any influence or any um, from the Bible. But then it turns out when he was between 9 and 12 years, he actually did spend some time with a Syrian monk who would have totally talked about the Bible. And you start, you start getting down to the roots of things. And what you realize is there's so many people people within the seed of Ishmael, not all, but some, where there's this just deep jealousy over the chosen brother and the not chosen brother. And the story has been twisted. And so Muhammad, I just am pretty convinced that that guy was just thwart with jealousy and has this vision from the angel Gabriel, and it's just a mimic. It's a play on scripture. And he, he presents the Quran to the world to follow. And he tries to, um, he tries to bring this truth to the people in his area. Was it Medina or Mecca first? I can't remember. But he spends 12 years trying to do that. And then eventually actually has to immigrate further north, which was, is Medina here or Mecca there? Anyone know? Anyway, he goes up, and then for, for, for his last 10 years of his life, he gets militant and starts, um, and starts raiding villages and starts beheading Jews um, in one of those raids. Marries, marries um, a whole bunch of women, has concubines, total disregard for women, total disregard for women. Um, and the, the roots, it's important to look at the roots, guys, of things, um, Okay, <laughs> so there's this war that is essentially raging at the moment in the Middle East. And it's not all people who are of Arabic descent that are in agreement with the war. Okay, but there is a pocket of wickedness that is initiating it and is on a mission to even within their belief, core belief system, they feel like they are, that is what they are called to do, to eradicate the Jews. It's within, it's within the holy writings of their space. I can't actually, I can't go there because we just, maybe, okay. Guys, what do you want to hear about next? Do you want to hear about what happens after the Great Tribulation? Do you want to hear about how beautiful that is? Because maybe that's helpful. Maybe I'll just read you that for a minute. This is Isaiah 65. That was a recap, believe it or not, um, with other things. Um, but this is Isaiah 65. And it was a recap for the sake of recording, I realize as well. 17 to 25. It goes like this. It's so beautiful. Behold, I am creating new heavens and a new earth. And the former things of this life, okay, this is post-World War III, guys. The Bible doesn't call it World War III, just so you know. The former things will not be remembered or come to mind. 
but be glad and rejoice forever over what I create. Behold, I am creating Jerusalem to be a source of rejoicing and her people a joy. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer shall they be in an, inf in an infant who lives only for a few days or an old man who does not finish his days. Guys, there's no more sickness. There's no more early death. For the youth who dies at the age of 100 and the one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought of as accursed. Okay, so there's long life. Science is trying to give us long life right now. Jesus is going to come and give it to us in an instant as in the earlier days before a time of Israel, before the flood. They will build houses and live in them, if you ever wondered. They will plant vineyards and eat the fruit. They will not build and another occupy. In other words, what you build, you don't have to fear over. There's no fear. You get to build a legacy. They will not plant and another eat the fruit. For as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen people, okay, interesting there, because you're like, now, what are you talking about? Israel? No. The church will fully enjoy and long make use of the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or bear children for disaster. For they are the descendants of those blessed by the Lord and their offspring with them. It shall also come to pass. And before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will graze together. Do you know before the days of Noah, that the, like, it's, it's crazy to try and imagine a time where the animals were actually like, you could go and pat dangerous animals. It says, it's going back to that time. Okay, there will no longer be predator and prey and dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in my holy mountain Zion, says the Lord. That is a, like a pretty beautiful time coming. I want to be there. I don't know about you guys, because what comes before that, it's just maybe it's nicer to focus on that. What I'll do, because I realize I just have made some ground, but not enough, <laughs> is I will, I will just allow you, if you, if you want to, to go home and read Luke 21. Go and read the words of Jesus. Sometimes that's helpful. Luke 21 and Matthew 24 are both the words of Jesus. And there's people who have not really understood them that much. Because if you read in Jeremiah 30, right down at the bottom, it actually tells us that we're not going to understand Jacob's trouble until the latter days, which makes sense. Because if there was no Israel before, how do you read that scripture and even understand it? How do you understand alliances going on? And essentially, as those alliances start to form, which... I believe that what's going on right now is going to push those. Already Egypt and, and um, Jordan. I've got so much information in my head. But already they are in an agreement with, e with Egypt. Saudi, already, Saudi Arabia already, already works with Egypt, but they just haven't gone public. I, I believe that the, when they go public, it's going to push a counter-alliance, which will be, according to... Ezekiel 39, Russia and a, and, a, and a coalition of Arab nations, 10 nations, the 10 horns of Revelation. When you see those alliances forming, there's going to be a time of peace. 
because we're told that the tribulation, which is seven years, starts with somebody rising up in a world that is so sick of war and so sick of fighting and just like, whatever, give us peace, ready to just sign anything. Like, we don't want to question it. We don't want to know. Just give us the peace. So it's a time of false peace, but it will be lovely. It's a great time to travel, guys. (laughs) But it turns... And in Ezekiel 39, the most brutal, um, brutal war is described with Russia invading from the north and setting up camp in an area called Israel, which is called Armageddon. It's a flat land. It says that um, in Zechariah, the princes will seize, the, they will set up their palatial tents between Jerusalem and the Mediterranean, if you, if you draw a line there, that's the airport. I guess it makes total sense to seize the airport, doesn't it? If you invade a nation, seize the airport. It's Ben Gurion Airport. And the war is, maybe we have to carry on next week, hey, but, and there's no recap next week, so you, you have to catch anybody else up, but um, maybe I think we need to go there. I think we need to understand what the scripture says because Israel wins, Jesus comes back, but it is so destructive. And actually, the reason Jesus has to come back is because if he doesn't come back, there will be no world left. There will be, like, is that hard to believe? Of course it's not, because there's technology that is so beyond. It's like, we all know we cannot have a World War III. And so he has to come back. He has to intervene. That is the second coming. And there's judgment and there is, it is, it is, the wickedness is dealt with and a new world is set up and people are placed in places where there's a new order. And it's like God can say, look, this always could have worked, this plan on the earth between me and people. And he will set up his church in these spaces to rule and to reign. We sing about ruling and reigning all the time. I don't know if we fully understand it. It's a period of a thousand years, according to the Bible. We live long in that time. This is a lot, hey, but we are about to talk about Jesus coming through a virgin woman into the world, you know, like <laughs> at Christmas time. But Daniel talks about seven months to clean up the dead bodies of this war. Seven months. So you want to know why Revelation's talking about famine, plagues? If you're dealing with that many dead bodies, health issues rise. I don't know if we are around for it. Like I told you, I don't know. If you listen to Jensen Franklin, he's a preacher in America. He is so convinced. He is like, he is convinced we're out of here. (laughs) I really hope we are. (laughs) But at the same time, my heart really breaks for the world. So hot right now. (laughs) Maybe next week what we'll do is we'll read Luke 21. I need someone to do kids church for me next week. (laughs) We'll read Luke 21. It's the words of Jesus and he his disciples ask him, what is going to happen? And he talks about everything. He talks about the temple being destroyed. He talks about them being persecuted. And he talks about the greater future. And it is these parts in here where he just says, you know, like, he says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by hostile armies, then understand with confident assurance that her complete destruction is near. Like, we just... 
there's a part in the Bible, and I can't remember where it is, where it actually says half the city is destroyed. But there's places of refuge set up, guys. God is there, like his voice. I was saying to the kids this morning when I was just asking to remind me of Harriet Tubman's name, but you know there's a time where there was slavery in the world and Harriet Tubman was the most incredible woman. This is back in America where she just heard the voice of God so clearly and she knew exactly where to go and how to rescue people from slavery. And she would be on her way in this, like that underground train system and God would speak to her and he would say to her, don't go there, go here. And she would listen and she would go and she was safe in amongst crazy violence. And what I'm saying to you is that God has set up places of safety. There's salvation during the time of the great tribulation. But seriously, can people please get saved now in the time of grace and the church? Because no one's beheading you for saying you're, you're choosing Jesus. At that time, different story. Different story. But Israel is so key and so pivotal and what's going on in the world is just another thing that we can either say, I don't even want to look because it's just too much. There's too much. You know, you read the screw tape letters and it's like it's the enemy's strategy is just to bombard us with suffering and hurt all over the world. So we just don't even know how to live our own lives. That is not the heart of God. But he has given us Israel to watch. He has made allowance for us. There is the rapture. <laughs> there are places of safety. It says he's going to woo Israel into the wilderness, and there he's going to meet them face to face, and he's going to be their God again, and they're going to mourn for not having recognized him first time around, and they're going to receive him, and there's going to be repentance and salvation, and then he comes again. That's too much. Let's stop. Our Father, you... I know you're with us in this conversation and that it, you obviously, this is your word that we're reading and trying to unpack and so, and we need more time. And, but as we just pause on this conversation and as we go home and digest it and meditate on it, Father, would you be with us? And I thank you for your presence and your peace in this, Father. I thank you that as people who love you and serve you, like this is actually good news, <laughs> a time of beauty coming to the world. It's good news, but we know what happens before. And so as we, like, we just don't want to be a church that blindly sings about you coming in the clouds and not understanding what precedes that and not actually hurting for humanity that is yet to know you and not praying for Isaac <laughs> and for descendants of Ishmael, of course, but for the target that is on Israel's back, Father, like we do lift them up as a nation. We lift them up. We lift them up right now. We lift up all the people in the Middle East right now. We lift up innocent people in the Middle East right now. And we know the human strategy is just hard to watch. But underneath it, Father, we, we, we commit to being people that are wiser. We commit to being people that would understand a spiritual agenda and would pray and would rise up and would not be so comfortable in our corner of the world thinking that it will not affect us, but that it does. And so speak to us, Father. Ready us, Father. We give ourselves to just this gathering that you've gifted us that's called the church to be able to come together and yes, encourage each other, and yes, read the beautiful scriptures, but so to digest the harder ones, so that would we would be 
an army, a spiritual army for what is good on the earth. And so we come against wickedness right now in Jesus' name. We come against that strategy that is essentially against you, Father, and your supremacy. We pray against it and we ask for a preservation of life as things heat up. And as in Matthew 24, it's like birth pangs. As the birth pangs get closer and closer together, we ask for your protection. Stir hearts. Stir our hearts and stir hearts right in the thick of it right now. And we just pray for a beautiful day somehow, Father. <laughs> like your tension of heavy and, and light. Like, yeah, you can handle that. And so we pray for a sweet family day as we go out. And what are we to do? We're to love you. We're to love you with our whole hearts. We're to know you. We're to draw closer to you. Holy Spirit, would you be nearer in these days, nearer than ever before? Would we hear your voice? Would we know your whisper? Would we love our families? Would we raise our families well? Would we get our priorities in order? Would we... Would we recognize the time in the same way that as you spoke about in Matthew 24, when the birth pangs start coming, we stop everything and we get ready for the baby. And so would we be that church in Jesus' name? Amen. 